there are certain uh, people in my network, family perhaps, that maybe thought I was really crazy mm. for doing this. Like, are you serious? You're giving up this job and you and it's almost like they thought they were waiting for me to fail mm. in a way. So that for me was just a bigger driver to to be successful. It's funny, Ainsley and I were talking the other day, we, we think back to the early days and we're like, God, I can't believe like, you know, what what we were challenged with, you know, we had little kids without proper childcare. Um, I remember this one time we had this really big opportunity um, to pitch for some work with a, with a big client, which we, we did win, which was really exciting. That really helped set up the business. But Ainsley's ringing her husband saying, OK, I don't have childcare today. So, you know, she met him in the city and dropped off her daughter. <laughs> he was doing blocks, you know, circles of the block, with you know, so she could go in and win this business. Yeah. And it went over. You know, so there's all these different things that we had to do early days that, you know, our clients would never have seen. And seeing what they sacrificed along the way and the hard work and the discipline that goes in. And, you know, I, I used to spend my um, school holidays, you know, going to the factory and folding pieces. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how I earned my cash. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really, I guess just seeing that has influenced and shaped how I view business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Y2 Podcast. Here on the Y2 Podcast, we're all about changing the narrative and rewriting the book about what it takes to be successful for those aspiring to be on and currently traveling the entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial journey. Here on the Y2 Podcast, I find and interview everyday successful entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders and dive into their stories to discover what it takes to actually get started and be successful on their journeys. This podcast is meant for anyone and everyone who aspires to do more than they're doing now, but perhaps doesn't know where to start, feels overwhelmed with the prospect of change, or has either been told by somebody else, or maybe themselves, that they just can't do it. This is all about uncovering the real stories by people like you, who have taken those first few steps and are well on their way to success in order to help shed light on how you can live that life too. As always, before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to take a quick minute and thank the Y2 Podcast official sponsor, YZ. YZ is an easy-to-use online training software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online learning. I actually love this product so much, I reached out to these guys and wanted to work with them as I see the power of the system for clients. This online training software is very flexible, and you can use it to automate a whole range of tasks in your business. For example, you can manage all of your employee training, train customers and partners in your products, track licenses and qualifications of your staff, create and sell online courses, capture more leads with free online courses, and so much more. Make sure you jump over to their website, yz.com, that's w-y-z-e-d.com, to check out some videos and even get started with your own 14-day free trial. And as always, let her know I sent you when you head on over. But back to the show. And today's guest is Natalie Firth, co-founder and co-CEO of Think Talent, Melbourne's fast-growing female-led recruitment agency. They specialize in executive recruitment across marketing, technology and innovation, people and culture, and executive support. Think Talent was actually also recently awarded the Small Recruitment Agency of the Year during the latest SEEK Annual Recruitment Awards, one of the highest honors in a hyper-competitive industry in recruitment here in Australia. But what makes Natalie's story so interesting, though, is the circumstances that her and her co-founder, Ainsley, started Think Talent in. 
Now, I'm sure you and I and most people would agree that starting a business can be very challenging, even at the best of times. But Think Talent was launched right as Natalie's pregnant with her second child, adding to her already very young family. But not only that, the very industry and nature of recruitment is fast-paced, competitive, ruthless, and incredibly demanding where only the best survive, let alone without the challenges of a young family, no stable income, and the prospect of failing. Through this chat, we explore her thinking about why she left a good-paying job to launch this business and how she grew to over 10 staff in just a few short years against all odds and the naysayers they experienced in those early days. We also dive into how she managed to juggle the family and business challenges and making it all stick for everyone listening who maybe has their own families or other family commitments that they must look after in life. If you've ever come up with an excuse as to why you can't start that business or do that thing you've always wanted to, then this is a great chat for you as this will surely make you rethink those perceived obstacles in your way. Now, if you like what you heard so far and you want to hear more stories like Natalie's, please make sure you subscribe to the YT Podcast wherever you're listening to this, and it'd be awesome if you can leave a review, especially on iTunes. At the end of the day, these stories are meant to educate and inspire you to take meaningful action in your life, and there's plenty more episodes of the YT Podcast coming in the future, as well as a secret new project to be released very soon. But you have to make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out. Make sure you follow the Y2 podcast on our website. That's projecty2.com, projecty2.com. Special thanks to Jason Price for editing the Y2 podcast. And of course, with that being said, let's get today's chat. Natalie, welcome to the YT Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's my absolute pleasure. It's uh, it's so nice to be able to sit here. We've we got to take a picture of this view as well, too. I'm always absolutely stunned by the views that Melbourne can show up as well. So it's pretty impressive. It, it's absolutely stunning out there. It's a beautiful day. But I'm, I'm so excited to be able to sit down with you today. I want to extend a big congratulations as well, as you've recently won the Seek Sorrow Awards yes. for uh, small, small, recruit, or, uh, small Recruitment Agency of the Year. We did. Yes, that was very exciting. Yeah, that's uh, such a massive congratulations and obviously one of the highest honors in Australia in the recruitment industry and, and I know from having looked at the criteria beforehand it's no easy feat as well. No it's not. Um, and on top of that your small agency means that you're already running pillar to post so the ability to put together all the documents and put everything together that's such a such a testament to what you've created so congratulations. Yeah thank you and that's the irony I think of entering these things is the application process is so yeah. long and you know involved and complicated so to actually when we actually found out we were um, finalists that was super exciting obviously and we took the whole team up to Sydney you know Mm. for this big gala ball and and then obviously to win it was just a super you know we're super honoured about that Um, but really exciting and a testament to all the hard work we've put in over the last few years it was like a okay yeah it's it's worth it people are starting to see what we're doing and the difference we're making so yeah absolutely and and um, like I might have spoken about previously on the podcast you know we've sort of briefly chatted about it. I had a, a bit of a, a foray into recruitment so while I don't want to say that is recruitment in terms of what I did I've got a real uh, so a bit of a bearing in terms of you know not only the massive you know uh, you know uh, 
service that you provide to your clients and all the things but it's also very very competitive in Australia I think probably one of the most competitive pretty saturated yeah yeah very saturated especially with small as well too low barriers to entry so lots of people trying to get into the game and obviously you can do a lot so I mean to win that category especially on top of everything else is is an extreme it's worthy of an interview in itself but I suppose when we got chatting about Think Talent and really going back into the to the early years, it's not only that you've created an amazing company that's winning awards in, in Australia, but you and your business partner started Think Talent at probably one of the most unlikely and one of the most <laughs> challenging times that a person could really face, being you know heavily pregnant with your second child, having yeah. another young bub on the way, uh, sorry, already there, and then obviously your business partner being a very similar circumstance. Yeah. So you know, we talk about how there's there's no good time in life to start a business and to, to go off and do your own thing, but I think you uh, you certainly chose... It's probably the worst time. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it, it was timing um for me personally it was an opportunity to to do something really exciting Mm. um and i think i've described it before like you know the bus was there and if i didn't get on that bus at that time the bus might not have been there a few years down the track when maybe it would have been a better time in my life Mm. the opportunity may not have been there um and really all the stars aligned with ainsley and i to be i guess in the same situation at the same time with young children and We've really had a similar journey um, and we've, we've tested our partnership in lots of different ways and it just, everything came together at that point um, and I thought, why not? Yeah. Let's give this a crack. Absolutely. And, and I think this is, I mean, the th- not only am I excited to get into your story as well, but the thing I always come back to and I want you know people to take away from this mm-hmm. podcast as well is if, you know, like yourself, like we'll, we'll talk a lot about the journey and, you know, the ups and the downs and everything else in between, but to really ho- to really put people like, look, you know, there could be worse times to start a kind of thing, right? And if somebody can start it in these sorts of circumstances, uh, in this sort of industry, at this sort of time in the world, um, you know, to really hopefully pro people and say like, hey, why can't you start your business? Like what, yeah. what is actually legitimately stopping you from that? Because if somebody can do it in these sorts of environments as you've done and successfully on top of that, um, you know, to hopefully really challenge people to be like, why? Yeah, because, you know, there's always, a, there's always a reason not to do something, mm. right? Whether it's start a business or whatever it is, there's always, a, there's always a reason. Yeah. There's always, you can always say to yourself, it's not a good time because yeah. I hear that all the time with people, you know, friends wanting to leave roles and saying, oh, it's not, but, you know, if I wait two more years, I'll get my long service leave or my maternity leave or I don't want to leave this relationship right now because Christmas is coming up and it's not the right time. <laughs> you know, in life, you yeah. could say there's not a good time to do lots of things, um, but sometimes it's not about the right time. It's about the right opportunity Mm -hmm. um, and believing in yourself, you know, and and that's really, for me, I thought, well, what's the worst thing that can happen is that it fails and then I'll just get another job. And I I believed that I'm employable and that I would be (laughs) able to find something else. And I just thought, well, let's give this a go. Well, on top of that too, and and really where I want to, you know, really start today's chat is it's not even as if you were sort of out on your own, if you, you, you had your second child and you're in this mm. scenario and you were sort of forced to to do this, you had uh, a very good role. Mm. Uh, what was your role at Cricket Australia? Uh, head of recruitment. Yeah, so yeah. Head of recruitment with yeah. Cricket Australia. Um, you know, every Australian knows and probably most people, my international listeners will know, yeah. cricket is kind of a big thing and yep. Australians kind of take it pretty seriously. So you, you hold a very important role at a very prestigious organization making probably pretty decent money. So it's not even like 
you know, you were forced that this was your only opportunity to sort of brave it, you kind of... Left a job. You left a really good paying job and <laughs> yeah. an amazing opportunity. But I, I do really want to start there just to sort of start to paint this picture of your life and just to start to get people to know you a little bit. So I suppose, can you just kind of break down your role a little bit? Like, what, what was sort of your main kind of roles and responsibilities um, when you are at Cricket Australia? Um, so I had a really exciting and cool role. So I was the first recruitment person essentially to come into the organisation and it was really to build a recruitment function from scratch. They had no processes, systems, um, everything was outsourced. Um, it was a bit of a mess, to be honest <laughs> with you. And that's the nature of, you know, you know cricket's grown extraordinarily mm. over the last sort of 10 or so years in terms of Cricket Australia and, and that organisation. So, so it was really to come in and say, OK, what's the talent strategy? How are we going to go about that? Do we have the right systems? people processes in place and really build that function um, and then obviously to make sure that we were hiring and attracting the best talent into those roles so I mean cricket went through an extraordinary change while I was there they um, had the Argus review if anyone knows anything about cricket so that was the, the team performance review the governance review where the board structure changed um, the Big Bash League, you know, which is now um, obviously such a successful league, was relaunched while I was there. Mm-hmm. So I saw some pretty incredible things from a business point of view, and I was involved in building those teams to service that. So I had a great role. I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, sports is a pretty exciting place to work. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they play hard, pardon the pun, but they yeah. also, you know, they, they like to let their hair down and have, you know, big parties and so I had a lot of fun I met some awesome people um, and I learned so much and I really forever be grateful for that experience that I had um, because I think it set me up to be successful in starting my own business. Mm. So in in your role and I suppose at that time as you looked ahead in your life and obviously now you you, you run your own firm as we'll talk about more but did you ever have this entrepreneurial bug in you or this Mm. sort of desire to start a business or were you pretty pretty comfortable in terms of just corporate HR and just sort of ascend the ladder till I always thought about starting my own business but I never knew in what it actually ironically never occurred to me to start a business in recruitment which was my (laughs) core specialty yeah I was like maybe oh you know I was thinking about what I could do maybe to work from home or you know I actually um, when my father passed away, he left um, a, a small inheritance. And my brother and I actually spoke about starting a, a burger joint. And, and it's really funny because we look at it now. And this is, we're going back before the burger joints were, yeah. you know, successful. It was trendy and cool. Before it was trendy, right? Yeah. We were ahead of our time. <laughs> so we were actually, we spoke about, and we, we had like this whole business plan and everything. My dad was Spanish and mm-hmm. his name was Juan. So we thought we'll call the burger with a lot the one with a lot. Like we had this uh, whole thing, yeah. like, you know, better down. Um, and then just for various reasons it, it didn't happen and yeah. we're like god oh, we should have done it look how successful burger places are now but yeah I always had that that something in me that I wanted to do something for myself and something entrepreneurial and I come from small family business so does Ainsley mm. we've both kind of seen that um you know that hard work but you know that um reward that can come from when you're doing something for yourself um but it never occurred to me to do it in recruitment which is quite ironic really yeah. When you think about it. Like, I'll <laughs> start a burger. I don't know nothing about burgers, but I'll start a burger shop. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, that could have been cool and pretty trendy. Yeah, and they could exactly. have been a good story just as much as they could be interviewing you about running a world-class burger chain, trying to go figure out from Cricket Australia to the number one burgers. burger in Australia. Yep. So um, for yourself, uh, thinking back to, to think talent then, so when did that opportunity sort of come about? Obviously, you just said you didn't really have this idea about starting no. it. So where did that kind of original idea or that original seed come from? 
Yeah, so uh, it's a good question. I, I had had my baby, so I um, had my daughter Stevie five years ago um, and I was on maternity leave at the same time as Ainsley. So her daughter was born a month, literally a month apart from, from my daughter, um, which is quite ironic. So we'd catch up on maternity leave and, and we'd talk about the challenges of you know having a kid and a career. You know, And Ainsley and I are both really driven, very ambitious people, always had been, worked hard to reach a pretty senior level in our careers. And we were talking about, okay, well, how do we make this work? You know, how do we still have fuel that ambition and mm-hmm. still have successful careers, but still be a mum and be a good mum and be available and mm-hmm. be there for our family? And, you know, anyone who's had who's got kids will, will you know, mums or dads will appreciate that that struggle. Yeah, I'd imagine it's a real kind of balance in terms of yeah. the two are kind of pulling in opposite directions. Especially when you've got young mm-hmm. babies. Um, and, and I think as a mother, you know, obviously, you know, it, it is more challenging because typically you're the one that is staying home and that's changing yeah. and that's wonderful. Um, but I had a, I remember catching up with Ainsley. I, I specifically, I can visualise the, you know, we're sitting on this high bench in this pub um, outside in the sunshine. We got our little babies in the, cap- I think they were six or seven months old in the capsules and we had a glass of wine and we're just chewing the fat and just talking about mm-hmm. it all. And I looked at Ainsley and I said, why don't you start your own business? I knew Ainsley had always wanted to start a business. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? now's the time. Just do it. You know, I, I was back at cricket at that point. I'm like, I've got roles. I can give you roles. I can help you get started. Um, and she looked at me and said, look, I would, but, you know, I don't want to do it on my own. And you know, I said to her, why not? Like, mm-hmm. you, you, you're so successful. She doesn't need anyone. She would have had a successful business regardless. And she said, I just like, I want to be around other people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on my own in this journey. Um, and then she said to me, but there's only one person I would consider doing it with, and that's you, so would you? And I went, no. Nah. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I said no to her. Um, but, you know, to, to use your words, that's where the seed did land. And it's sort of, you know, over the sort of next six months or so really started to grow and it really got me thinking about, okay, well, maybe, maybe I should do this. Well, I mean, I, I suppose this is probably obvious uh now but originally you said no what Mm. were those main things that were really holding you back to say yep let's do it i mean you kind of said you'd already kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit that entrepreneur will so what were sort of those initial things that made you say not at that moment what was going on in my life so you know seven eight month old baby um (laughs) you know wanting to have another child quite soon um, mortgage, you know, responsibilities. Yeah. You know, is this the right time to walk away from a really good salary to earn nothing in the short term um, to maybe have a successful business? Maybe it will fail. So it, that that was the main reason. Mm. Um, and I said that to Ainsley at the time. I want to have another baby quite soon. I was really we had that really honest conversation around that, and it was actually Ainsley that said to me, "You know, there's never a good time <laughs> to start a business." And really, I think for me, what it was, was when I sat back and thought about it and I visualised the future and I visualised Ainsley having this really successful business and I visualised me still at Cricket Australia, you know, still <laughs> probably enjoying things and, yeah. you know, but ticking along and, and that opportunity that would have passed me by. And, yeah. and for me, that's, I was like, I can't miss this, but I can't not get on that bus. The bus is here, right? Ainsley will either go back to her, her previous role or she'll start this business on her own. And if she does, I'm left behind. Yeah. It's too late. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're five years down the road kind of chugging away, chipping away at this kind of thing, but not riding on that. That's right. So, yes, yes, it wasn't a good time in my life personally, but it was where the stars aligned that Ainsley and I were both in the same position at the same time, and I just decided to do it. Do you remember what that conversation was like when you with your partner as you started to <laughs> maybe not that you were ready to make the decision, but as you started to toy with the idea? Do you remember what those conversations were like? Yeah, Aaron was a bit nervous about it all, um, but I think 
anyone starting a business who's in a relationship, your partner has to back you mm. and they have to believe in you or it just won't work, right? So, so Aaron's always believed in me and I think that's been really important. Like he has always known or believed that I will be successful in what I do. He was a bit nervous because we did have the young family, because we did have the mortgage and, you know, he's probably more conservative in nature but you know than I am. Mm. So, okay, well, what if... It doesn't work. What if we can't afford to pay the mortgage? Like, how are we going to... And so that, for him, was really the main thing. So as long as he knew we had a plan around that um, and a bit of a backup around that, then he was totally happy for me to go and... He just wants me to be happy mm-hmm. um, and pursue that. So, you know, he was supportive. A little bit nervous, but supportive. <laughs> well, even in that, though, too, I mean, um, you know, I think this this idea of what if and, and mm. trying to explore that is a really, really powerful exercise. But something I've I've certainly come to appreciate and respect from speaking with, with the entrepreneurs, and I've spoken this, about this a lot, and I'm working on a project at the moment around asking good questions, mm. right? And, and somebody could say, well, what's the worst that could happen? And you could come to two fundamentally different answers because the monkey mind, the, oh, but then this and then that, and then all of a sudden this can start to happen. So as you were sitting with Aaron and having this conversation, um, how did you, can you kind of walk us through a little bit about how you started to sit down and start to do some of that scenario planning I think everybody should do this at every part in their life not even just starting a business but how did I guess the question is how did you sort of try to keep it as grounded as possible and not all of a sudden get away with like we're gonna yeah our house is gonna be foreclosed and then you know our children to be destitute on the street yeah, that's right you know how did you sort of live on baked beans for the next 12 months yeah. um I think you've also got to you've got to do it in a balanced way so you've also got to ask yourself so I think people naturally will revert to what could go wrong? What's mm. negative? What's the worst case scenario? You've also got to ask yourself, what's the best case scenario? What if it goes right? Mm. What does that look like? Um, because for me, if it went right, it meant, you know, in my mind, being able to have a bit more of a balance around work and family. Mm-hmm. It meant being able to have a really nice lifestyle and build something that I was really passionate about and, you know, it meant lots of positive things. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to think about both. You know, you can't just go straight to what if it doesn't work because then you might never do it. Yeah. Right? You'll find a reason to not do it probably. So easy to find a reason not to do it. Um, So I just, you know, yes, we absolutely spoke about that and and the what ifs and, you know, what if it doesn't work. Um, For me, I think I've got – I feel very fortunate that I was raised by parents who gave me a lot of self-belief. And I've just believed if it didn't work, I would find another job. Mm. It's as simple as that. You know, that I'm employable, that I would be able to go into an organisation and get a good role in recruitment and, and that would be fine. So I never I never worried about not being able to pay the mortgage yeah. personally um, or, you know, my kids eating baked beans. For a year. <laughs> I never really worried about that. I just thought what I worried about was how it looked to fail. Um, but actually what I've learned is that's okay. You learn from your failures. You learn from your mistakes. Um, I, I know lots of entrepreneurs that have failed in two or three businesses before Mm. they've actually been super successful so it's not a bad thing to fail either and I think you need to get your head around that failure in society is seen as a bad thing but Mm. I actually think if you can get your head around it's a learning opportunity and if you are driven to continue and to learn from maybe what didn't work um, you could be far more successful on your next go Mm. but in that though what what was you say fear of fear of failure and the perception of that but what specifically was you know what did that look like to you as you you were kind of thinking about what that might imply to yourself if you did it and failed what did that look like uh the people would say oh look you left this really great you know job to start this business and now you failed and now you've gone you know like mm. it's just it's perception and you know as humans we care about what people think you know mm. we try not to you know <laughs> yeah as you get older and more confident and more secure in who you are you care about it less um but of course you care about what people think um you know and i know there are certain 
uh, people in my network, family perhaps, that maybe thought I was really crazy mm. for doing this. Like, are you serious? You're giving up this job and you're... And it's almost like they thought they were waiting for me to fail mm. in a way. So that for me was just a bigger driver to to be successful. Trying to flip it around to say, no, almost politely F you. Yeah. I can do this and I will do this kind Look, of thing. I just won an award, you know, you were wrong. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. That was for me a big driver to be, okay, well, this could fail, but I'm going to make sure I do everything in my power mm. to make sure it doesn't fail. Yeah. I, m- I remember hearing, I think it was uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I think given Gary V's sort of style, I'd heard this before, but I think he did it in an amazing way and talking about how do you use how do you use those fears to power you, right? How do you use that fear of failure or the fear of how you might perceive to fuel you, to flip it around from something that's gonna hold you back to something that's gonna drive you in those in those moments where you're tired and you you know, you, you don't wanna go on any further. How can you use sort of those emotional Sponsors to yourself to sort of cue you up to kind of get you, you know, over that next line kind of thing. So it sounds like you're starting to put that in your mind as you sort of start mm. to prepare yourself for this. But I suppose then you had the chat with Aaron. You got started to do some planning. Um, I know the turnaround of the business was quite quick, wasn't mm. it? You and Ainsley after this conversation it was fairly a few quick. months. Yeah. yeah, a few months before we just decided to to get started. And there was actually a moment where, um, I, I attended Ainsley's father's funeral. And so, you know, Ainsley and I've had a really similar, you know, we've both lost dads in similar ways and we've both had, you know, kids around the same time and we have this similar journey. And I, I remember being, being there and, you know, hearing her eulogy, um, which was really beautiful, but, you know, it really inspired me to go, life is short, mm. you know, and if, if I don't give this a crack, I'll probably die wondering what if and I don't want to have that on me so and and I'm a pretty all-in person so once I decide to do something right I don't want to wait yeah (laughs) let's just let's just get on with this that's it let's do it I've decided let's let's do it and it's really funny because when I'd said no to Ainsley obviously um I had to tell her that I'd changed my mind and and I actually sent her a text after after her dad's funeral and said you know it was really really beautiful day and I hope you're okay and blah 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 and I said this really long text and um p.s I want to talk to you when you're ready I'm in Mm. um and in typical Ainsley style, I think she read like the first two sentences of the text and then got bored yeah. and just didn't read the rest. So she yeah. never saw it. Oh, no. So about a week later, I'm like, maybe she's changed her mind. Yeah, maybe she, she didn't want to do this maybe with she's, me. Yeah, maybe she was just saying that to be nice. And I rang her and I'm like, did you see my text? She's like, yeah. I'm like, so what do you think? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm good. I'm cool. I'm, yeah, I'm in. She's yeah. like, oh, I missed that. I'm like, yeah, of course. You didn't read the whole thing. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, so we decided and we just caught up and we just got on with it. Set up a business. So when you now the thing I, I love as well too is this idea, and this is something that for me was probably one of the biggest things I've learned so far out of this podcast because I remember sitting back with um, uh, James O'Reilly. I think I might have told this story previously, uh, and this is before. And, and James O'Reilly and uh, Corey Wassel are, are uh, were, were co-founders at Verse Wealth, and I remember sitting down and chatting with James about the Verse story prior to interviewing Corey. And in my mind, it was when you start a business, it's like, yeah, there we go. I've made the decision. I'm yep. going to hand my papers in. And then on your first day, you know, Monday morning rolls around and it's your first week free. You open up the laptop, crack your fingers and go business plan, new new document, business plan, yeah. you know, number one kind of thing. So I suppose for yourself, what was that transition like when you get, when you, when you got together with Angelina and said, yeah, cool, great. We're going to do this. Yeah. What was that transition like from that first conversation to when you essentially, Started. yeah, you, you, day one. Yeah. 
We were really lucky in that we had an experience. So in our previous, we worked at Marshall McAdam together, which was a, a startup. So we, and we were there on day one. Mm-hmm. So we were really lucky. We didn't see all that planning that went in or the work they did there, but we certainly saw what it's like to, like you said, get in on day one and you're locked up and go, <laughs> yeah. oh, now what? What do we do? Um, and all the work that goes into that. So we'd had a bit of a test run or, you know, some experience in mm-hmm. that. Um, but what we hadn't had experience in was like all the work that you need to do to actually set up a business. Like mm-hmm. just things like, what are we going to call this thing? <laughs> yeah. And now that we've got a name, how do we register it? And yeah. how do you say, you know, what do we want to set ourselves up as? Cause what does a logo these, look like? What does what a logo is, yeah. look like? And, you know, let's find a graphic designer and how do we do that? And there's a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, we need to open a bank account. You know, <laughs> that's right. Let's go do that. So we just use my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, right. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you just don't think about. So, so we just got together, we had a lunch, we wrote down a list of things we needed to do, but a lot of it we learned as we went, mm. to be honest with you. We learned as we went, um, we got advice. You know, the one thing I'm really grateful for is at the start of the business, we, where we invested our money was not in the sexy parts of setting up a, a business, but the important part making sure that we had the right structure, right? We set ourselves up in the right way, that we had the right insurances, mm-hmm. that we got advice at the right times. Um, so that was really important for us to grow, to mm-hmm. have that foundation set. Um, and you don't know what you don't know. So you've got to rely on the experts in in those areas to make sure that you are going down the right pathway. Yeah, essentially. yeah and you're making the right decisions early on yeah. prior to actually needing to figure out the right decisions were kind of thing. And sometimes they're the wrong decisions. And yeah. you go, okay, well, that wasn't right. So... Let's just get on with it and change it. And, you know, we've, we've um, had a, a brand refresh. You know, we've changed our logo since we've started. And, you know, there's been a whole bunch of things that we've we've changed. But it's been market-led and led by customer feedback. Mm. Um, because I think, going back to one of your earlier questions, if, if you wait for your business plan to be perfect and you wait till you have the perfect solution for your clients before, mm-hmm. you know, for your target audience before you start your business, by the time you start, it might actually be irrelevant yeah. or you might have missed the boat. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting started and evolving your business as you go. And yeah. I think that's why we've been really successful because we've gone, okay, well, this is on trend or, you know, this is what we're hearing. There's you know, an opportunity here. Let's, let's, follow it and see what happens um and sometimes that's the best way to go about it as well you don't have to have everything figured out yeah i think it's i mean i love that idea and i think too one of the advantages of sort of recruitment and sort of professional services from what i've seen is that your product is you Mm -hmm. right it's not like it's a software or uh you know a physical tangible touchable product um you know, it's not about necessarily going and trying to build the whole thing and then take it to market. You can start to bring that approach. But in that, I do want to ask, once you once you took that leap and you were on your own and you started to have those conversations, I mean, where did you sort of develop that perspective? Because I, I don't I don't want to assume it's sort of innate that like, oh, we need to go talk to people and we need to go get their feedback. Because at the same time, even from my own experience, that can be really daunting if you go to sit down with a potential client keep in mind you're not making any money obviously and you're like i really need to win this business right but at the same time you might walk out of their red face going oops we didn't think of that or we didn't know that kind of thing right and there's a hard hard hard-earned lead gone so how did you sort of start to balance that um you know developing the right perspective and the right sort of product um, in those early days yeah, it was interesting in the early days because, you know, we thought our strength was, you know, when, when people say, why, why should we use you? You know, why are you different? We didn't really have a clear point of difference in the early days other than us. So other than the <laughs> fact awesome. that we're awesome. Yeah, use us because we're really lovely and we're good at what we do. And, you know, we're not, you know, your typical recruiter. And, but that's really difficult to articulate and it's really mm. difficult to scale, right? So you need something more than you because in our business, you know, Ainsley and I are our biggest um, strength, mm. but also our biggest 
weakness and threat if we want to grow a business. It can't, yeah. it can't just be about us and our story and, and how we service clients. You've got to be able to scale that. Um, beyond that and I remember actually really really early days um, speaking to a client a potential client um, about um, a, a potential role and we missed out on it because we couldn't clearly articulate what our point of difference was so it was at that point that we really needed to say okay well how are we different what are we going to offer that's different to every other recruiter in town um, and, and you need to have those experiences sometimes you don't know what you don't know so until someone says no nah, I'm just going to use a bigger agency because I've got a bigger database and mm. that's their perception and it's like well hang on a second databases mean nothing in the age of technology like every recruiter's got a LinkedIn recruiter license we've all got access to the same data yeah it's almost homogenized right so, exactly yeah. so databases aren't what they once were so what is our point of difference? And really that was, you know, a turning point for us to go, okay, let's start to think about some of these things that we, you know, are a real um, point of difference now, which is, you know, the brand marketing and the employee brand marketing and the um, EVP work we do with clients and really becoming that trusted talent advisory as opposed to someone who can just find you a person. So I suppose going back to the, so going, winding back for a sec, when you're sitting down with Ainsley mm. to sort of plan out your business and yeah. not really under, not really having maybe a clearish, a really clear idea about what the, the, the differentiating factor was, what was those conversations then in terms of like, obviously we kind of know briefly why you wanted to start it, but what was sort of the, what do we tell people? Like, yeah. What are we going to do different, especially with recruitment where it's, again, it's, it's, it's in a sense, broadly speaking, it's kind of you're, you're still trying to find the right person for the right seat, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's it can be a little bit tricky to differentiate such an intangible idea. But what was sort of that early idea then of you sitting down with Ainsley going, okay, this is what we need to bring to the market? Yeah, and I thought, I think early days we thought we would do more consulting around, you know, not just recruitment, but around HR processes. And, you know, we'd both worked internally so and we'd set up functions and so maybe we could bring some of that with us. Early days, you know, pretty quickly we realised that wasn't going to be our point of difference, um, and it really came from just listening to clients and, and having those conversations with them around. Okay, so what, is, what what are your challenges over the next twelve months? What do you worry about? You know, what's your business plan? Where do you want to get to? What's stopping you from getting there? And hearing what they were telling us, mm. which is around, they're worrying. Companies, clients are worried at the moment about how am I going to attract the right, the best talent that I need as we're moving into this transforming world, right? Organisations are shifting. I mean, I don't need to go into it, but there's mm. so much technology, obviously, there's so much disruption happening. They're worried about how they're going to attract the right talent. So for us, it was actually having those conversations and going, okay, I think there's something in this. You know, we're hearing the same themes. We're hearing the same pain points, the same worries, no one's really offering a solution around this. But don't forget, we're six months into the business at this point. Mm. So this is not before the business. This yeah. is like in the business, you know, already starting to do work with clients, already starting to get a bit of money coming through. But hearing those themes and going, okay, there's an opportunity in here that we need to explore. Um, and, and we really did. And, and that's become our big turning point and our big um, point of difference. But we didn't have that early days. Yeah. Well, in that, I want to ask too, more of kind of a nutsy, bolty question uh, in terms of those early days is obviously everybody starts to worry about, okay, well, I've got this great idea, I've got this business, but then the problem is money, right? <laughs> How do I start to grow this? Cash flow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's a, a, I'm not sure if the episode will air, but I had a great conversation with Jason Hamburg uh, interview coming out about this, about he started the business and because kind of trudging along and then had to pay employees and then quickly realized that cash flow was kind of an important thing when you yep. owe your staff more than you currently have in your bank account it becomes a big consideration. So <laughs> um, for yourself during those early days, while you were still trying to establish 
your business um, in both, you know, truly exactly what it brought to market, um, but as well as yourselves and the brand. Um, how did you sort of start to wing clients? How did you approach businesses and say, hey, we're, we're completely brand new at this, but you should probably give, give us, us a go. Time. Yeah. You know, you, you have... You need to know, if th- I think if you're thinking about starting a business, you need to be able to really look at yourself and say, do I have 10 potential clients that I can go to that I think and believe will give me work? Mm. And we had that. We had our early adopters. We had the people that would, they didn't care that we were a two-man band because they trusted, they had a track record of success with mm. us. They had been working with us for over 10 years, so they believed in us. And those early adopters, and we'll always be grateful for those, those organisations that were willing to jump on board right from the start. Once you've got that and you've got a little bit of cash flow coming mm-hmm. through the door, you can then start to go, okay, well, I need to expand that. And, and for us, we had a, Ainsley and I had a philosophy when we started the recruitment business, which was never make a cold call and never carry a compendium. Right? There were our two things. It's like this, this thing in the recruitment industry that we just like did not <laughs> want to associate ourselves with. Yeah. Um, and what we mean by never make a cold call is between the two of us, and now that we've got a team, between our team, there is no one, no organisation that we shouldn't know someone who can't make an introduction mm-hmm. or open the door for us. So we just started to, I guess, infiltrate our network and really get them to be our champions. And probably the other thing when you start a business is you can't be afraid to ask for help. You, you can't be afraid to ring up someone and say, hey, I've noticed that you know so-and-so down at X company. I'm really dying to get in there. Would you mind doing an introduction for mm-hmm. me? Because if they want to help you, they will. Yeah. And they do. And they have. And that's been really important for us. But yeah, cash flow. <laughs> I now understand the term cash flow is king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More than I care to admit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. No, and that's the thing I really love about software is it's got a great it's got a great cash flow model. I, I, I appreciate now having chatted with various sorts of uh, people uh, understanding the importance of this and understanding the added challenge of there's a whole sort of another thing I never even really understood, really understood until until really now. But um, and there's lots of things you'll never really understand yeah. until you do them. And this is the thing: if you haven't started a business before. You won't really know until you get in there, right? So sometimes you just got to believe in yourself and your idea and your product or your service or whatever it is and just jump in and and be prepared to learn as you go. Very quickly, I I remember for about three or four days of starting the business, I did our bookkeeping (laughs) and I quickly realized that was not going to work. So, you know, you've also got to go, what am I not good at and what do I outsource? Um, And yes, it's going to cost me money, but is my time better spent working on my areas of strength mm. and focusing on growing the business and trying to figure out how to input a receipt. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, in that too, I want to go back to that because certainly from this idea that you started your own business, mm. um, you know, you're you're now making zero dollars and depending on what you can get like it's not like you're at cricket australia where you're like oh, regular I'm, income yeah like yeah. Oh, i'm sick for two weeks or something happened oh, i'll just take two weeks off and just just yep. chill kind of thing right like you are now hustling to put food on your table and i want to sort of just explore this a little bit more because this sort of comes back to you know really the core of of the question in my mind that you now have two very strong opposing forces to each other you've got you know you know young mom with you know two young young kids but at the same time you're now needing to work really hard and grind for probably lack of more of a detailed understanding of those early days Mm -hmm. but work really hard and try to learn how to sacrifice and when to say i can't come home because i've got this work to do or look i need to go home because my kids so I guess can you sort of walk us through those early those early um, months in the first year as you sort of started to try to strike this balance? 
It's funny, Ainsley and I were talking the other day. We, we think back to the early days and we're like, God, I can't believe, like, you know, what, what we were challenged with. You know, we had little kids without proper childcare. Um, I remember this one time we had this really big opportunity um, to pitch for some work with a, with a big client, which we, we did win, which was really <laughs> exciting. That really helped set up the business. But Ainsley's ringing her husband saying, okay, I don't have childcare today. So, you know, she met him in the city and dropped off her daughter. <laughs> he was doing blocks, you know, the circles of the block with, you know, so she could go in and win this business yeah. and it went over. You know, so there's all these different things that we had to do early days that, you know, our clients would never have seen, but, you know, it was not perfect to the back end mm. by any stretch of the imagination um you know I, I think as we've grown obviously we've got better support structures in place around us um but it's really being authentic being honest with people about what's going on in your life not only does it enable us to connect with our clients on a different level because they often will have young children themselves or other challenges going on in their lives but it also means that we can structure things so we can say hey you know i will be on is it okay if we speak after seven o'clock tonight because I need to, you know, go home and sort the kids out and put them to bed. I'll give you a call once they're in bed. Mm. Most people, most executives actually have really busy lives, really busy roles as well. And for them, it actually suits them to speak after hours. So it's worked. Was that surprising us. to you that all yeah. of a sudden you were maybe cringing to going, ah, oh, this person, I need to get back to them at five o'clock, but then for them to be sort of open to a 7 p.m. call totally. or text? It's really, it has surprised me. It has and it hasn't. It, it doesn't surprise me in terms of that's when people are available. I had this thing in my mind that you have to get, you know, you have to do all your work eight till, you know, five. And yeah. You have to get back to people by then. And I think as long as you're communicating with people, like, you know, I never in a million years thought that I'd be texting CEOs of enterprise organisations <laughs> saying, you know, to communicate. Yeah. But you know what? They're in meetings all day, right? They don't have time to take my call. Anyway, they'll speak to me after hours if it's important or before mm-hmm. work if it's important, but they'll text. We, we communicate that way, and I think that is the reality of a busy executive's life. So, yeah, it's been a little bit surprising, but it's fantastic because it means that I can send a text and say, oh, we'll call you after 7, is that okay? Yes, that's fine. Mm. It doesn't have to be by 5 o'clock. So, you know, I think having that, that honesty and that transparency... Um, as long as it doesn't compromise the outcome for the client, as mm. long as they are getting what they're paying for at the end of the day, um, they're really open to it. Yeah. I mean, in that too, I want to sort of go back to my experience. And I, I said at the top of the conversation, I know I've said it to you a few times, and I'll, I'll say it again for the, sake of, for the sake of wanting to be, you know, really open to, yeah. to it. But, you know, my experience with recruitment, um, albeit short and albeit um, not the most enjoyable thing I've ever done in my life. It was very much that, you know, you've got a role to fill. There's other agencies that are, you're potentially competing with, you know, you have to get something done at a certain amount of time. You've got a candidate you're going for They're depending on what level they're at, they're very busy. They can only speak to you at a certain time. That might not be conducive to your life, but unfortunately it doesn't matter because you're only paid when that person you place starts kind of thing. So I suppose, you know, it's not necessarily like you're just selling a product where you go, yep, you've made the sale, shit arrives on Monday kind of thing, right? Or you're able to just negotiate with one person. You're a dating service and trying to put these people together and chatting, chat with both of them. It's funny you say that. Ainsley and I often said, maybe there's a side business here. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But I mean, I suppose... How did you sort of go in in trying to? You mentioned that there you know, people are receptive to receiving hmm. texts, but I, I guess the question is: Did you ever have any times or any experiences where you were forced to say, 
look, I family, I'm sorry, I have to put you, I, you guys have to do something else, or I need to sort of make that totally. hard decision to oh. say, I've got to do this kind of thing. It works both ways. Like, absolutely. I mean, there are times where, you know, I'm not proud, like you've got, you know, I'm going into a quiet room in the house and holding my foot against the door or, you know, and trying to give an iPad to a kid just to keep them quiet for 10 minutes so I can take this really, because that candidate can only speak at that time. And of course, like it absolutely goes both ways. And there, you know, been times where you've got to get your, put your family on hold to focus on the business and times that you've got to put your business on hold to focus on the family. And I think that's where Ainsley and I have been really fortunate that we're in a partnership and we have each other to fall back on mm. if we need to, right? So we're not, we're not on our own in that venture. And mm. that's probably been a really key strength of ours that we can rely on each other at different points when we've needed to prioritise different things. But I think the other thing as well is, you know, recruitment can be, you know, the scenario that you're describing with your experience, you know, is very, it sounds like quite a transactional recruitment firm um, that you were potentially with. And, and for us, that is not the sort of recruitment that we, that we do, that we want to do, the way we want to go about things. You know, we don't work on um, assignments where, you know, you've got four agencies and it's a race to, mm. you know, we work with race people. Race to the bottom. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, we, we work with clients that really value what we bring um, and that see the value of the partnership. And it is a partnership and it has to go both ways. We have to do what we say we're going to do. Um, you know, and our clients can be demanding and that's absolute, and so they should be. Um, we have to service them and we can't let the standards drop. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we say, hey, I'm not going to give you a shortlist for a week because I've got to worry about my kids. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like it has to be, we will do this by Friday. We said we'll do it by Friday, so we'll do it by Friday. Like it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we work with, with clients that value that service and it is an exclusive relationship and you're not competing and they know that they, they trust you that you're going to get them the best outcome mm-hmm. and you do. And you've got to live up to that. Um, and that's been the biggest challenge for us as we've grown is how do we bring a team on that can deliver to that mm, same standard? Maintain the continuity between that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the standard that our clients have come to know and trust of us, how do we make sure that we can scale that where it's not necessarily Ainsley or I delivering and mm. somebody else? Um, but how can we make sure we maintain that? Yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, it's not certainly not been perfect by any stretch. The other thing, too, I want to ask, and, uh, you know, I, I think as people think about starting their own their own business, there's always a very, at least at the time, but a pretty clear thing what you want to do in the world, right? Whether it be, I've seen something done really bad, and I want to do something better. I've got some interesting idea. And you have this sort of perfect picture in your mind and this isn't probably universal there's maybe some exceptions but what i've seen is that you have exactly what you want to be who you want to work with Mm -hmm. but then you actually hit the market and it might be a bit of a different scenario especially if you're new if you're unknown if you're still trying to sort of get your own break so i suppose you know with you kind of having that idea in mind were there ever any times when you were first starting out that you maybe had to take on work that sort of compromised not in, not in like a, a really negative like this is going to break the rules or you know I'm going to be potentially sued for discrimination or some <laughs> other lovely lawsuit but you know things that you said look this is what we want to be this is what we want to do this is who we want to work with but at the same time we also cash flow king we need money well, yeah. are there any times like that when you're oh, first starting absolutely out? you know and doing work you know we, we still have this conversation sometimes like oh this role's come in it's a client that we you know really value and we do a lot of work with but it's outside our area of core specialties should we do it or yeah I mean you're challenged with that sort of thing every day and and in the early days maybe we did do roles not it never we never took on work that compromised our values mm-hmm. um at all but you know maybe it was work that was outside of our core areas of specialty and oh we don't really want to do it but oh it's worth this amount of money to the business and 
you know, yes, absolutely. It's, you know, you make those decisions early days mm. and we don't regret any of those decisions because when we did make them, it's just to get the money through the door so we could focus on what we wanted to be. Yeah. You have to get disciplined as you get bigger though and you have to say, start to say no and saying no is really powerful. It's really, really powerful. What do you mean by that? What is it? What way? It's powerful because it says something about who you are and who you want to be, right? If you just say yes to everything... All of a sudden, you're not you're not perceived or seen to be operating in a certain market or at a certain level. Um, if you want to be an executive recruiter and you're saying yes to a hundred k role, <laughs> right? Because it's a good client, and yeah. you want to, then you're not perceived as an executive recruiter. Mm. If you want to be a marketing recruiter and you say yes to a finance role, then you're not perceived as a marketing recruiter. So actually, saying no, as difficult as it is, is very very powerful because you're saying, and you know, you've got to do it in the right way and mm. respectful way. And we refer clients to you know partners of ours that we um, collaborate with and, you know, they might operate in, in markets that we don't and vice versa. But if you say to a client in the right way, look, I'm, I can't take on this work because of X, Y, and Z, but here's somebody that can help you, what it says to them is, oh, you know, they, they know what they are. I won't forget that. I'll go back to them when I have that role that's in mm. their, their patch. It's very powerful. We learned that early days. Don't say yes to everything. It's not always a good thing. <laughs> is there a specific story, anything that you can share? Right, that, that might have sort of reinforced that lesson. <laughs> I, yeah, there's probably a few. Well, that obviously naming names, so I don't <laughs> yeah, want to get no, sued. I, like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think you just want to get sued. But <laughs> any particular instances that you can share? I, mean, I remember taking on. We took on some work and did some. It's um, nothing overly exciting, but did some work, you know, in the accounts payable and payroll space. It's just not our area at all. But we we took the work on, and it was a really good client, and we del- delivered it well. And then the next time they came back to us and said, "Oh, you did such a great job. Can we use you again?" And you know, having that conversation at that time to say, you know, look, we've moved away from that area. That's you know, we're probably not best place to help you. We don't have the talent pools, you know, active in that space. Let me introduce you to someone. Um, but being, I think being true to what you want your business to be is really important. Mm. And it's easy to fall into the trap of just wanting to do everything. Yeah. You know? I, I do remember a time Ainsley and I went and saw a client early days and we walked out of the client meeting and we both looked at each other and it was about, oh, it was a lot of work and a big opportunity. And we looked at each other and thought we just weren't aligned with the client from a values point of view mm. and we didn't like the way they operated. And we actually said no to the work. And that was a really defining moment for us where we were like, Wow, we've actually said no to to a lot of work here, yeah. um, but it's not. We don't want to align ourselves with organisations that that don't have the same values yeah. and the same way of treating people and those same ethics as us. So, yeah, that was a big moment for us. It's funny. I, I, I always want to take an opportunity during the podcast to slightly get in my soapbox for just for something that somebody says, <laughs> and I really want to reinforce. And I heard this a while ago that um, it was talking about how we need to train ourselves to be uncomfortable. Right? You need to train to be I can't remember exactly the same. You need to train yourself to be uncomfortable, right? Because it's such an uncomfortable situation. Naturally, our tendency is going to be to get away from that. And I first heard it a while back when they're talking about the Starbucks challenge. Have you heard of the Starbucks mm, challenge? I think I have. Yeah, remind me. Yeah, so you basically you go in and you ask for a discount. Right? Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't have to be anything. You go in and you yeah. ask yourself for a discount, right? You don't deserve it. There's no, no reason why you should get a discount, but you ask it because you start to train yourself to become uncomfortable. And I've, I've found this to be a really interesting exercise because I, I don't like being comfortable. I like to chill out of my comfort zone and I'm, I'm pretty cool here. But I, I came to intellectually realize, as I think most people do, that the comfort zone is not where the learning goes, right? There's enough infographics and enough cool memes and Tony Robbins clips going around to, you know, that shouldn't be a surprise. But it's this idea of actually trying to practice 
being uncomfortable, practice saying no. And even times where maybe you should say yes, actually just practice mm. to say no. Because it might cost you a bit of money. Um, it might have a short-term pain, but that's the whole entire point. It's to do things that you're uncomfortable with to start to recondition yourself to actually understand that. And I think that's been a reoccurring theme that's come up a lot during the podcast, but it's only upon really reflecting and listening back to it that you can start to realize that these people hold different values and beliefs of the outcome because they've experienced the outcome. It's not just been something they've thought about, but it's something they've actually experienced. And I still think Michael Back's uh, story about him wanting to snowboard uh, or sandboard down the sand and he didn't want to do it, right? Because he was like, oh, if I fall, it's going to hurt. It's hot and the sand's going to be uncomfortable. (laughs) And then eventually he, I think it was peer pressure, he finally did it. And he talked about how he did fall and he described it as a really pleasant experience and using that as a metaphor and 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 in that and, and what I'm trying to say is I guess trying to seek out opportunities because like you said when you go through that experience and you go oh that actually felt really good mm. I'm sure that probably for yourself reinforced times in the future where you were faced to go oh but we really need the work yeah. but then to go you know what it worked there let's have a go kind of thing and I think you've also got to be able to say okay well if I say yes now it might be short term gain Mm. right we might be able to send this invoice out and get a little chunk of money in the door right now but you've got to be able to think longer term by taking on this work and distracting yourself outside of what you want to do and what you want to be known for you might be missing out opportunities the opportunity cost if I do this what am I foregoing it's not just like this is a free or, or a free thing it has a cost like it has good a cost. or bad and putting it's a really interesting point putting a value on your time as well and that's something I've really learned and, and really tried to start to do the early days people want to catch up and people want advice and you know you need to start well for me personally put a value on your time and and I actually remember reading in a um in Mia Friedman's book which I really enjoyed and, and she talks about her time and how she puts a value on her time and she asks herself three questions when someone asks for, for a piece of her time and it's about, you know, what's in it for them, what's in it for me and, you know, am I doing it maybe for, for a greater good, maybe it's a charity or, and it is really important to, to understand the value of saying no, to understand the value of your time um, and to really make sure you're clear about where you want to be going so you're focusing your energy and your time on the right areas, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I operate at a million miles an hour, so does Ainsley, all the time between the business, the team, <laughs> family, it, it can be exhausting sometimes. Your adrenals will only take you yeah. so far, right? Like, <laughs> There's only like a, a, an internal hormonal chemical level to drive you yeah. for so many hours in a day before you will your body will just, just shut down. crash, right? Yeah. And, you know, um, you have to sort of go. Okay, well, if I'm investing this much time, am I investing in the right areas? I might take on this work now, but this is not where this is not what we want our business to be. And that's been a, that's probably been part of Ainsley and my learning and evolution of the business is, to, is knowing who we are and who Think Talent is, and really making sure that we stay true to that. But you know, good segue. I know we talked about this charge turning on the microphone today, but this idea of of ego and of getting feedback as well. Mm. And obviously, you've talked about how you really can back yourself as well. But when you start a new business, um, especially where you're trying to find that market fit, that traction in it. You know, everyone's going to probably give you feedback. Um, you know, probably clients are saying, no, we don't want to work with you. Yeah. Here's some feedback. And it's challenging to say, crap, maybe that's what the market's trying to read. And, and you were talking earlier about how um, getting, um, being receptive to that feedback has sort of been a bit of an evolution for yourself as well. If you can kind of talk about yeah. you know, what do you do and, and really where did that come from? You know, it's, it's really, it's funny. I, 
I never, I didn't realise, I didn't actually have a lot of leadership experience before I started this business in terms of managing lots of people. So mm-hmm. I'd had big roles and I'd, um, I'd done some really interesting things. Um, but this is the probably first time I've led you know, a large-ish, not that large, but large-ish team. And and I've had some moments of, you know, introspection or self-reflection where I'm like, what kind of leader do I want to be? You know, who... Which is, who are the managers or the leaders that I've really loved working for in the past? And, and they're the ones that you can be honest with. You can be honest with about, you know, who you are and how you're feeling, but they can be honest with you as well. And the feedback goes both ways. And, and to, to be that leader, you have to be prepared to take feedback. You know, you have to be prepared to listen and to go, okay, well, I wasn't perfect, perfect in that scenario. Maybe my delivery was off. Maybe, you know, I can see where you're coming from. I'm not always right. And I think when you when you're an entrepreneurial person, or you know, and, and also you know, coming from a sports organisation mm, where yeah. <laughs> sports people to be the best have to believe they're the best, right? Yeah. And, and entrepreneurs to be successful have to believe they've got this amazing idea. So I've come from this environment where that self belief is really important, which is probably why we've been successful. But you have to stop at some point and go. I'm not perfect and I make mistakes and I, I need to learn from those mistakes and mm. I need to be, be prepared to hear the feedback and, and, and sometimes hearing feedback's hard, right? I don't know if you've ever had negative feedback or mm. constructive feedback about things. Feedback, yeah, yeah, constructive feedback. But it can be confronting and for me, it's been an evolution of being able to say probably, you know, being a little bit older and having lost a parent, you know, to cancer and having kids and maybe having more perspective in my life going, okay, well, I I need to be able to take that feedback on board and grow and I want to be a better person. I want to be a better leader. So I want to hear it. Mm. Do you have an example that you can take us through in terms of where it sort of just kind of illustrate that sort of that realization in your own journey through Mm. the thought process? I mean, even recently, I remember speaking to, you know, a member of, of the team, um, you know, about, about some feedback that I was giving them, um, and they gave me feedback at a, you know, a few days later that my delivery, you know, was probably not the best, and maybe, you know, and I really unpicked that with this particular person to say, okay, well, you know, you know what did I say, and how did it make you feel, and, and really seeing things from their perspective mm. as well. So even though my intention wasn't to make them yeah. feel that way, my delivery did make them feel that way. And I have to be able to say, okay, well, that that's not what I want. So I apologise for for making you feel that way, and I'm going to improve on that. You know, yeah. and and it has to go, it has to go both ways, and you have to be prepared to listen to people and take what they're saying on board. Mm. Right? You I, learn from your mistakes. Yeah, I suppose to the vulnerability of being open and receptive to that as well, um, and then trying to again create that culture of, okay, well now. I've given this person feedback. They've given me feedback. So I'd imagine create more of a sort of conversation instead of just like the atypical boss. And we've probably all worked for one who goes, I'm going to give you some feedback and you can shut your mouth about how you think I'm doing. See you later. How does that make you feel in terms of, you know, being valued and, and being appreciated and being able to contribute? Those tough conversations actually make for the best relationships. Right, so going back to the saying no scenario, the tough conversations that you have with people, in my experience, where you can be authentic and honest and it might be you know, a little bit of emotion in it, but you can really talk to each other about how you're feeling and give that feedback, make those relationships stronger, whether they're with your staff, whether they're with your clients. You, you have to... You, not, things aren't shiny and nice all the time, mm. right? We're humans. We have emotions and we have our own stresses and everyone's got their own personal things going on. So my experience having those honest discussions actually really strengthen relationships. And mm-hmm. if you can keep that dialogue going, 
you know, I think that's really where I've grown as a leader. Yeah. I asked you this question uh, prior to starting recording as well, too. And I, and I want to go back to it because, um, you know, anybody who knows me, I'm, I'm a young 20-something-year-old male, right? Like, it's just a really different concept to me is this idea of motherhood. Yeah. Um, but I've always looked at, and I've always envisioned my mind, right or wrong, in terms of, I guess, how I've thought about it is, you know... Um, an employment relationship is kind I've always thought in my mind it sort of it sort of has the elements of a parent child relationship right you, you want to look out for them you, you know you want to see them grow you want to you know they're going to fail but you're trying to strike this balance and I asked you this question earlier and I wanted to kind of go back to it and drill a bit more but how has how has being a mother influenced the business especially as they both there was all they're all kind of moving at the same time. Think talent's mm. probably really the third child, I guess. Mm. But how has motherhood influenced the business? But vice versa, how has the business influenced motherhood as you work? You know, as you work with your young kids. Yeah, it's a good question, actually. Um, I think that I've definitely changed being a parent. I think it forces you to have a little bit, more, you know, more patience for a start, <laughs> less selfish. Yeah. Um, and you know, my youngest, my my youngest daughter is, you know, roughly the same age as the business, right? <laughs> so I've kind of seen them grow up together. Yeah. You know, like and it's funny we speak about the different stages of a business, being a newborn, not knowing what you know what we're doing, yeah. and then being a toddler and kind of learning to walk <laughs> and having tantrums along the way, and you know, starting to now get into that you know four five year mark. Um, you know, I think what what being a parent has taught me in the business is that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to make mistakes. You know, as a parent, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the best I can. I want to give my kids, you know, the right, like, you know, like you said, the right foundations, the right values. I want them to learn. I want to protect them, but not too much. You yeah. know, there's all these different... And it's similar with the business. You know, you, you want to... You, I want to see the business grow and succeed. I want to see it succeed in spite of me, you know, that... Maybe one day I don't have to be in it for it to, to be mm. successful. And what do I ha- What foundations do I need to set right? What values do I need to implant now? How do I make it self reliant in, in the future right. kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, that can grow up and yeah. you know be a successful adult. I don't have to you know go to every meeting with it. You know, <laughs> I don't need to, to dress it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know those things and, and they are similar in some ways. Um, they're both challenging, mm. um, but they're both rewarding as well. So. Um, and, you know, and conversely, I, I think, you know, I think back to when I first had my, my first daughter and, you know, sitting around with my mother's group, which is a weird experience for anyone who's, you know, had kids and started and gone to a mother's group where you've got this bunch of people, you know, nothing about except they've all got a baby roughly the same age as you. Um, and at the start, it's really like, oh, okay, um, you know, a little bit competitive, you know, whose baby's sleeping and whose baby's eating well and all this stuff. <laughs> and then as you become more familiar with each other, it's like, oh, God, who's having a really crappy day and just wants a glass of wine because mm. my kid won't stop crying. And, and you start to be more honest. And I think that's also what I've learned in business as well, is that it's okay to not have the answers all the time. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. People aren't, aren't expecting you to be perfect all the time. Right? They're expecting you to be honest. Yeah. So that's sort of what I've, you know, the synergies I've seen between the two. Yeah, that's what I love. It comes back to, and Brene Brown, I'm sure you heard of, it comes yeah. up a lot, just yeah. about the vulnerability aspect, right, yeah. and about how to be vulnerable. And something I've, I've come to really appreciate about, uh, about the human experience, I guess, and part of the reason why I started this podcast is that, you know, our lives might look different, but it's my belief that if you start to drill down on some things, we're all sort of facing 
similar, if not sometimes the same challenges. It might be manifested in a slightly different way, and we may think about it in a slightly different way. But we all do, you know, we all worry about fear, we all worry about rejection, we all worry about, you know, totally. pain, and we all worry about, um, you know, all these different elements. And that's what, that's why I love the podcast because, um, contrary to a lot of media out there, and part of the reason why I started is, is it's not always just super positive. It's not all just like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, second billion dollar business, and if yeah. you don't do that, well, you're kind of a screw up and don't bother it's right it's not always but, a positive story yeah you know i don't know if i was saying this to you before or after we we started um recording but you know i know lots of successful entrepreneurs that have failed before they've been successful mm. two three four times but they're the ones that have got the drive the resilience and the self-belief to keep going to go okay what can i learn from that why did it fail yeah what am i going to do differently next time and not giving up on that and I think that's really key because yeah we all worry about the same things of course we do we want to be successful we want to fail we worry about what people think and you know but I think the key difference with success successful people comes from that drive and that that inner something inside that is hard to explain that inner desire and drive to succeed yeah yeah absolutely and again that's where I come back to I think there's a lot of people listening um, and the whole reason why this podcast exists is because there's so many people listening to this that are you know incredibly smart uh, in so much potential have brilliant ideas many have actually the the capital and the resources to bring this their idea or their dream to to manifest into to the world to make it a better place but they're held back by beliefs that aren't maybe necessarily correct or or conducive and talking about you know your story and about backing yourself and about you know you might back yourself you might maybe not know what you're doing but you still back yourself and it's just that thinking and that belief and that's that's something you can't touch taste feel it's something that exists in your brain and how can you try to learn from that and model that and at the same time too and what i've tried to do how do you start to reprogram yourself so like spoke about gary v like you know that fear of missing out that can be viewed as a negative emotion how can you turn it into a positive emotion right you know ego can be a really big thing I, i still battle this against all the time like i my innate feeling when i get feedback is F you, go up yourself kind of thing, right? <laughs> like, how dare you, right? Yeah. But realizing that, no, this person's probably got a lot of wisdom there. It might be a yeah. lot of crap, but I just need to chill out a little bit, take it on board, not take it personally, and try to digest that. You don't always have to believe what they're telling you. I think you just have to realize that that's what they believe, right? Yeah. That's how they're feeling. You can't argue somebody's feelings. Mm. If somebody yeah. says, you made me feel this way, yeah. then guess what? You made them feel that way, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. You know, they might be you know, overreactive or whatever it is, but you've, you've got to take that on board. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to your point, I, I think you're 100% right, and I think that there, there will be knocks along the way, and we've certainly had our, our fair share of them, and you have to have that. I mean, resilience, I, I think if I had to articulate any key behaviour or, or value or whatever you want to describe it as, you know, resilience, you, you have to be able to pick yourself up, dust yourself up, and keep going, because there are... 100% going to be hurdles along the way yeah. that you would trip over and fall. Um, and you have you to, will. Like, it will happen. Literally. Like, it's like, going to happen. It's like... <laughs> it's not if it will happen. Yeah. It's it will happen yeah. multiple times. Yeah. And can you pick yourself up from that? Can you learn from it? And can you keep going? And, you know, we've, we've had some pretty challenging times, you know, in our business. Um, but we've kept going. And I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm really proud of what we've achieved. You know, that hard work's paid off because we're at this point now. Mm. Well, two questions I want to ask, um, and, and the first one does kind of come back to that idea. Have there ever been any times over the last couple of years where you thought, this has been a fun run, I don't want to do this anymore, I, it's too tough, it's too time-consuming, I just want to tap out? Have there ever been any moments where you just wanted to pack yeah. it all in and go back to... I think it, 
anyone who started a business, they'd be lying if they said that they didn't have those moments. They're fleeting moments, but moments, you know, <laughs> when you're having a really crappy day. Like, you know, I've never seriously entertained the idea of doing that. But of course, you know, you have those, those moments um, where you just go... God, is this worth it? I'm mm. slogging my guts out here. And it's just, I feel like I'm coming up against all these brick walls. Um, you know, the universe is against me. You know, yeah. what is going on? Um, but if you can see through that and you can persevere and you can go, okay, just having a bad day, I'm having a bad week or I'm having a bad month. Mm. And that happens sometimes too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think anyone who's started a business, well, maybe not, but in my perspective, you, you will absolutely have moments where you want to give up. Mm. And they're the, they're the moments that you absolutely shouldn't give up. Yeah, yeah, if anything to push through. Not yet, yeah. yeah. Because every time we've pushed through one of those moments, every time we push through a really difficult scenario, yeah. we've like, it's like a breakthrough. We've grown, we've you know, got this new idea. You just, it's like, you know, it's like parenthood in a way. You go through challenging times with your kids and then all of a sudden they were awesome again and you go through challenging times and, yeah. then, you know, so you've got to be able to push through those moments. Yeah, I, I love that. There's, um, when, you, when you said that, a, a book I love, and I haven't spoken about this book in a while on the podcast, but it's by Ryan Holiday and it's Obstacles the Way, right? Yeah. And those challenges, that is what you need to work on. Like those, those, those barriers, that is what you need to be working on, right? It's not always about working on the super easy, fun things, but trying to work on those barriers to overcome them. So yeah, when you feel like you're going to give up, that's when you need to go a bit harder. And it, it sounds really, really lame, but back to this idea I want to try to impart on people too is it's about training, right? It's not just about it's not just about waiting for the moment to turn it on, but it's about waiting for those little moments throughout your day to practice. And something I've really tried to embody, and, and this is going to be just very different from my own perspective, but it's like even when I go to the gym, right? I love going to the gym. It's my happy place. It's my, it's my, my, my temple of Zen, basically. <laughs> but there's days that I don't want to be there. And yeah. those are the days that I have to do the whole workout, right? If I'm having a great day and I've had a great workout and I'm happy to keep going, but I've got other stuff to do, cool. That's great. That's my workout. I've achieved what I need to. But days I want to leave, I go. And even days to, even last night, as an example of working on a couple different projects, it's been a bit busy, and I'm going, oh, I, really, I really just want to take a bit of time, and I just want to take a break. I'm not done what I need to do, but I want to take a break. And having the moment to go, yeah, okay, this is, this is a time I need to continue to keep working kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, they're, right? they're the important be... times yeah. to keep working and, and realizing that in business you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do. Yeah. So like in your, at least you like going to the gym. You might have days where you go, I can't be bothered going today, but I'm going to push myself to go. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes in business there are things that you actually don't like doing, you yeah. don't want to do. Difficult conversations or, you know, letting people go or, you know, there's all sorts of different scenarios that you face, you find yourself faced with that you don't want to do. They're the defining moments. Yeah. But being able to practice that, because again, you yeah. know, it's a saying I love is, you know, you fall to the level of your training and it rise to the level of your hopes as well, right? You hope at those moments you're going to be able to turn it on and, you know, have a really positive outcome. But if you're not practicing for it, if you're not trying to embrace those little yeah. opportunities, when you, when you go to have that really challenging conversation, well, you know, it's a bit of luck, not really a bit of planning or preparation kind of thing, right? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So the other question too I want to ask before we sort of transition onto this, these, these, uh, the next part here and a question I I'm really beginning to love to ask in these conversations is has there been a point I mean spoiler alert you're you're still here you you know you've won an award like you you know there's a lot of momentum behind you but has there ever been a point uh, over the the journey so far that you've kind of thought yeah we've made it we've got it we're there no 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 not really I mean obviously winning the award was really exciting it was exciting recognition of what we've put in and what we believe we've created mm-hmm. um but no absolutely not never been a moment where i'm like oh, i can just sit back now and just let this tick along and yeah. you know it doesn't need me anymore i think that for us um 
to continue to grow a bit. And it's different to a product-based business, right? Like we're, we're offering a service, selling a service. So for us to scale, grow, replicate, potentially grow into other mm. states, which is something we'd really love to do, um, we can't take our foot off the pedal mm. at all. So yes, we stop and we go, oh, we're really proud of that. We've had a success, but we're not there yet. We mm. need to keep working and, and keep you know, investing and keep challenging ourselves and saying, are we still on trend? Are we still... You're mm. offering what our clients are asking for. So, no, yeah. I would certainly not say I've ever had a moment where I'm like, yep, done. I'm yeah. that, that's, I love asking that question just because, again, if I think back to myself and I put myself in my listener's shoes kind of thing, I always thought this is, there was the idea that entrepreneurs would go, you know, in their mind, oh, I've hit this point, I'm good, right? You know? Sell it for a million bucks and off I go. Yeah, basically, yeah. right? But I've, I've, I've really come to really understand and it's been a, it's been a big... Um, uh, realization through the journey that yeah, very, very, very few entrepreneurs have that pinnacle in mind. But I think that's kind of the beauty of it. It's not about, you know, there might there's always a financial aspect to it, but you're really trying to create something and, it, and that's never really done. You're just having manifestations of greater, greater realizations of that or, um, you know, just continuing the general work of whatever it might be. So, And I think successful businesses continue to evolve. So that's the other thing, that you can't just go, okay, great, we've done this now, we've got this successful business. And I, I think, you know, you look at where really successful businesses have gone wrong, you know, like, yeah, you know, blockbusters that <laughs> didn't jump onto, yeah, yeah. right? But they were a yeah. successful business, right? Yeah. Like, my whole childhood was going, growing up and going to the video shop and picking your videos. I same, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So I think you have to be able to, as a business, continually ask yourself, am I still offering what the market needs? Have I got yeah. complacent, you know? So I think maybe maybe it's a, an entrepreneurial trait. I don't know, but I don't think I'll ever ever be in a position where I think, okay, done. The product, the offering's perfect. Yeah. Right, because you know, customer needs change. Things change. The market changes. So you know, yeah. I, I hope that we continue to challenge ourselves and continue <laughs> to say, are we still doing what we set out to do? Yeah. Uh, even too, like I was having a chat with a, a good friend of mine, and we were t- talking about this idea and about actually if you just think about yourself, if we just swap business for person, it's the same conversation really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, that's right. Yeah. You know, you need to evolve. Yeah. But on that though, I do want to transition. I mean, you know, again, spoiler alert, you know, your you, you business is growing. I think you're at 10 people now. Yeah. Is that right? You're yeah. 10 people. You're five years into the journey, four or five years, four, four years into the yeah. journey. Um, you've won this incredible award. Um, What's next for Think Talent? I mean, what, what's got you really excited and focused on, on, on the next part of the journey? Yeah, we're in a really good phase at the moment. We've, um, we've grown again recently, so we've brought on a, a head of. Um, we're currently looking to bring um, some leads into our structure, which will be really exciting. And I, I think we've done a really great job of um, building a brand um, and building a really cool brand that people know. And it's exciting when I say Think Talent. Um, and people go, oh, yeah, I've heard of you, the TT logo. Like, that's really yeah. cool. Like, yes, you know, we've, <laughs> we've done that. Um, but really, it's now going, okay, let's, you know, I spoke before about really knowing what our segments are now let's focus on building the brand recognition in those particular segments let's make sure that we're really building our um our pr and our brand profile as an organization and and starting to make sure that you know our founder story is incredibly important it's why we started the business but the business needs to be beyond that Mm. as well really focusing on that with the team and getting the right structure in place um and then ultimately we want to grow so we want to grow outside of just melbourne so i think we'll grow to no more than probably probably about 20 consultants in melbourne and then looking to replicate that in other states you know probably brisbane and then sydney so you know we're certainly not 
we're not uh, slowing down anytime yeah. soon. And we're, Ainsley and I are quite ambitious and really have um, some pretty big growth plans and want to see it succeed elsewhere as well. Yeah, look, again, my hat off to you, having spent a bit of time in the industry, and again, probably about the fifth time I've said in this conversation that I don't want my experience to be the recruitment. I, I can yeah. certainly realize that it is, it, it is in its own ways, like, you know, any sort of market segment, it has its own unique challenges, and it's sort of, you know... Um, it has its place and it has its role and its function and it has its own kind of ideas and its whole sort of technology and all this sort of stuff. But being able to see yourself and as you've been able to grow over four years, I mean, that's, that's, that's an incredibly short amount of time and that still blows me away. If you were at 10 people over, you know, eight or nine or 10 years, I would say, yep, that sounds about right. But that sort of growth in this sort of market with that, that sort of competition where, you know, it's probably every single day I see a new recruiter sort of just left one of the bigger institutions, got their laptop, Got started phone, a business. Started a business, yeah. right? And they're they're trying they're they're calling up the same businesses yeah. that you're working with, saying, "Hey, I'll do it for a hundred dollars cheaper," kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And just really out there. So, um, got a lot of respect to the type of work, the industry, and everything in between. So, what you've been able to create in such a short amount of time, and to top it off at such a pivotal point in your life where you didn't exactly stack the deck uh, in your favor from like, okay, we've got nothing else but to focus on this business for the no. next four years. Um, it's it's truly just a an incredible feat so again you know my hat off to yourself Thank and your you. business partner yeah and it's been you know it's been a lot of hard work but it's it's exciting when you can look back and say that hard work is paying off and there yeah there's been moments of like yeah we haven't taken a salary for ourselves or, you know, <laughs> done you know had those scary moments like you yeah. said like can we afford to keep the lights on and pay the salaries there's been you know definitely ups and downs but i think we're in a really good place now and certainly for the last 12 months that consistency has really been there and you know those relationships we have with we have with our clients that are really strong and I don't worry funny enough not that I don't worry of course I don't get complacent but I don't worry about our competitors coming Mm. in and stealing clients like I trust in the relationships we've got I trust in the service we offer I trust in that honesty that they will tell us if they're not happy with something and we'll address it Mm. Um, and I really believe in the business we've grown and I hope it continues to to be successful Absolutely. On that, we're going to transition to the rapid-fire questions. You ready to go? Ah, sure. Hit me. Excellent. So these questions could be long or short. Again, yep. it's really right. If you, need a, if you need a second to think about it and you need to stall, let me know. No problem at all. But this first question is, is what book has most changed your life? And I'd love if you can place this as to where you read it and what context did it change everything? Oh, that's a really hard one because I've read so many good books <laughs> that you know books different points in your life will mean something to you i'm actually reading a parenting book at the moment how boring (laughs) Um, but it's actually given me um some really good perspective it's actually you know really i'm not changing but helping shape the way i think about you know approaches to kids and as my kids are getting a bit older and a bit more challenging so oh maybe i'll have to think about that one and come back to you though no problem no problem i mean at the same time too just to in that context to stall a little bit I think like another one of the questions I'll ask you there's always a time and a place like if I think back in my life about the books I've read I don't think anyone has changed it more than another one it's been yeah. the right book at the right time and yeah. I've, I've certainly come to review book recommendations to ask people well when did you read it and what did it change everything because the, the certain book you and I could read the same book but depending on where we are in life yeah. the answer will be different but um, for myself a more recent book I've read that I've, I've really loved loved and it's a very very simple book it's a uh, discipline uh discipline is the uh, 
Discipline Equals Freedom by a guy by the name of Jocko Willing. So I love his previous book, Extreme Ownership, and he talks yeah. about this idea of, of uh, discipline equals freedom. But that, for me, it's a very, very simple book. It's actually, I got it on uh, Spotify first. For some reason, I was on Spotify first, but uh, I actually ended up getting the book because to me, it's very simple. It's literally the titles. You got basically the gist of it and this whole idea about just focusing on discipline and him talking about different examples of, you know, like I mentioned before, you're tired. Yeah. You want to stop working? Keep working. Yeah. Tired? You want to go home from the gym? Keep going kind of thing, right? So I suppose, again, it's all a different context, but that's sort of been the latest book for me that's been at the right time, at the right place to sort of reinforce um, or really to to help me deal with that sort of this part of my life as I'm so busy and so many things going on. So... um, Anything else pop into mind? Or do you yeah, want to, uh, no, you're you right, though, because I think of lots of different books. And sometimes like, I get little pearls of wisdom from the most random books as well. Like, It's not always where you think you're going to, to get them from. And I read lots of books, and, you know, a mixture of fictional and non-fictional. And, you know, I think everything I read, I will learn. So I take some, yeah. some lesson away from it. I'm like, okay, well, that's something that you know, I might, might not agree with everything that's in that book, but that's something I'm going to... I'm going to take. Yeah. So, do you, do you find you gift a certain book more often or you recommend a certain book more often than to people? Um, I love Big Little Lies, so I recommend that because it's such a great <laughs> book, even though it's with nothing to do with anything. So, that's all right. You know, that's just right. I love a book that's gripping. Yeah. You know, as well, where you can just you know it's got a twist at the end. Or I've actually downloaded on my Kindle five. I'm going to Europe in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. for six weeks, and I've set myself a personal goal to read a book a week while I'm away because wow. I I love reading, yeah. but I don't feel like I get a lot of time in my yeah. life to to read. So I've downloaded six books <laughs> to to read a book a week. I'm like I'm going to do it. I've yeah. made that commitment to myself. Um, but I love you know. I've done a mixture of um, fictional and non-fictional, so, you know, some sort of self-learning ones, but also just books that have got really great story and a twist and I love crime books and, you know, those types of things, so... Maybe ask me in six weeks when I'm back sure. and reading six books, and I'll tell you which one I enjoy the most. Sure, sure sounds good. We'll have to do. Uh, we'll have to do an update. <laughs> we'll do a follow up. Yeah, we'll do a follow up. <laughs> Excellent. Um, who's been the greatest life? Excuse me. Who's been the greatest influence, rather, on your life growing up? It could be somebody you didn't know or some other prominent figure. Oh, could I have more than one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would say definitely my family, my grandparents, my nonno and nonna. So my mum's side of the family is Italian, and my mum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I come from small business. I think I might have mentioned this, small business. Um, my, my grandparents are Italian. They were here as, you know, immigrants. They, they started a business out of their backyard, essentially, mm. and built a really big food distribution business that is still going today. Um, and seeing what they sacrificed along the way and the hard work and the discipline that goes in. And, you know, I, I used to spend my um, school holidays, you know, going to the factory and folding pizza boxes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how I earned my cash. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really, I guess just seeing that has influenced and shaped how I view business, how, but how I view small, you know, family business, really. Mm. Um, and then with my mum, you know, seeing her, she had me quite young um, and, and seeing how she learned through her mistakes as well and how she was just such a great mum in spite of the fact that she didn't have a lot of support around her mm. necessarily and um, how she raised us and how she raised us to be really confident people with innate self-belief. Uh, and that, that's a trait that I hope I can give my kids um, because if you believe in yourself, you know, you'll make mistakes, but everything else is, you know, it's kind of easy. So, yeah, I I'm, I'm definitely would say my grandparents, my mum, for sure. Mm. What gives you a disproportionate return on investment of your time and energy? Say that again. 
what gives you a disproportionate return on in your on investment of your time and energy so i'll give you i'll give you my example to this so I love the beach. Yeah. I adore the beach. To me, the beach is free. Um, I can go down, but I love just the tranquility of it. I love the sun. Usually you're there with you know friends or family yeah. kind of thing. And it's just, to me, this incredible place where it's... Hence, probably part of the reason why I moved to Australia, because spoiler <laughs> alert, beaches in Canada suck. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, it's it's an, it's a love being able to go down and just relax. I might be reading, I might be hanging yeah. with family or friends, but it's just a it's just somewhere where it's kind of my happy place, I guess. Yeah, I also love the beach. <laughs> just bought a house, you know, close to the beach, yeah. which is super exciting. Um, I think being with people, though, like so for me, if I'm feeling flat or if I'm feeling like I need to just lift my spirits, there are people in my life that I know are those people that can bring me up. Mm -hmm. So for me, there's nothing better than, you know, going out with my bestie, Kylie, for a nice meal and a glass of wine and just it re-energizes me, it refocuses me. And people who get you and where you can truly be yourself. And there's not many people in Mm. my life and I think most people would say this, where you can truly, truly be yourself. Yeah. Um, that's where I get my energy is just being able to be myself with those people. Um, but yeah, absolutely. My weekends in summer, I go to the beach with <laughs> my kids. Watch, and my kids love the beach. So it's happy for me to see them mm. being happy as well. I uh, love it. Um, what mantra or inspirational quote has most changed your life and why? And if you remember, <laughs> do you, if you remember do you, can you tell us where you first heard it? It's really boring, but fake it till you make it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, because, you know, it, it goes back to everything we've spoken about today, that you don't always have to have it all figured out to go out and try something. And sometimes you just got to go fake it, right? And just go out there. Say and yes and then sort yes. it out after. Yeah. Exactly. Be confident, yeah. know who you are, and just sort it out after. It's exactly right. And I apply that to lots of different areas of my life. I'm willing to give things a go because, like, all right, well, Let's fake it. Let's see what happens. And if I make it, great. And if I don't, oh, well, on to the next thing. Yeah, there you go. Um, If you could give a 20-minute TED Talk or some other speech on something you're maybe not well known for, uh, maybe a hobby or other interest, what would it be and why? So you can't say anything about recruitment or marketing. Oh, jeez. That's how you're asking some hard questions. Might be, here. Might be folding pizza, pizzas. Yeah, I wasn't very good at it. I used to cut my fingers all the time and just like band aids all over the place. <laughs> Definitely not following pizza boxes. Um, what would it be? Wow, these are hard questions. <laughs> question um let me think um actually yes i would do my ted talk on true crime i've always had a bit of a weird fascination with true crime and i read lots of different books and listen to podcasts and watch documentaries about all sorts of different real crimes that have occurred over time and at the moment i'm actually listening to a really um, cool podcast called real crime profile that i'm right into so that would definitely be what i would do my ted talk on Last question, and the easiest one here is, is I'd love if you can tell us about your morning routine. Oh, it's so boring. My morning routine involves kids. You know, it's so boring. But I think that's even more important because I think, you know, in that, it's always easier to dial things in when you don't have those stresses. But even at that, even running a successful, very busy 10-person uh, you know, recruitment agency while having kids, 
balancing emails and, and clients and to-do lists and then taking the kids to school. I mean, if, if you can do it, I mean, there's got to be uh, huge amounts of wisdom in there and time management. Yeah, you've got uh, my key to success is to have a well-oiled machine <laughs> at home, right? <laughs> so the kids know the routine. They know the routine in the morning. They know the routine at night. There's no surprise. And I think that no surprises policy is really important mm. if you want to actually get out the door. Good philosophy sort of, for life, but... Yeah, yeah, well, exactly, right? <laughs> and routine can be quite boring sometimes, but when you've got kids, it's so necessary. So, you know, we've got our routine in the morning. You know, I get ready. The kids have breakfast. We get, you know, everyone gets stressed, blah, blah, blah. I have to have a coffee in the morning. I am not good if I don't have a coffee. I know you shouldn't have coffee on an empty stomach but I do I just have to have a coffee in the morning um, but it's, it's a bit of a rush in the morning um, but we all know our place we mm-hmm. all know our roles and everyone plays their part to make sure we're out the door by a certain time do you check your emails and are you doing any business prior yeah. to getting out the door good question I actually have tried to not do that recently it's very difficult <laughs> right? I used to have a habit I'd get up I'd wake yeah. up I'd get my phone and the first thing I do is check yeah. my emails notifications it's not a healthy way to start the day yeah. so at least try and wait until I've you know had a shower and had breakfast and then I'll check my emails and just say, see what's going what's on, on fire. Yeah, exactly what's <laughs> on fire or I'll check them on the train and let's face it you know if it's 7.30 in the morning and I'm on the train, nothing's happened that's so dire, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and it's, I think for, for your mental health, you know, talk about mindfulness and, and stress and those things, I think for your mental health, it's important to have times where you just don't check. Yeah. Um, but that's hard. I, I say yeah. it, but sometimes I still check. But again, something I'm learning, and, and that's the nature of my, 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 my professional role at the moment, is that most of my clients are they're well into their business day when I first wake up at some, some very unholy hours. So um, I, can, I can very much realize and respect the fact of just having some time and even just appreciating the exercise of thinking it and wanting to check it, but not checking it, yeah. right? And actually trying to exercise and be like, well, this is really uncomfortable if you don't check your phone and like, what's happening? So don't uncomfortable. And I was like, where did it get to be so uncomfortable? Like, cause you, you know, going back to our conversation about technology, like the f- emails on your phone, it's only relatively new, right? I have had part of my career, where yeah. that wasn't actually yeah. possible. It wasn't a thing. Yeah. It wasn't a thing. <laughs> so when did it become so innate and this, this need to respond to the, and this expectation that you're always on. And it, so it is important to, create some discipline I think if you're going to have some sort of mental health Mm. you know and and some sort of wellness in your life to actually shut off and not check sometimes it's really important yeah but I think I think on that though that sort of kind of comes back to sort of our core conversation right because we kind of spoke about like think talent was really the third third kid and you you took an opportunity when when the bus was driving by with the opportunity with Ainsley to go look this isn't going to be the right time but but, you know damn bus is here gonna do it anyways kind of thing right and so in that you know I've really enjoyed exploring today's conversation to really try to understand how do you strike that balance um, between the family and the professional role, how do you build a business? How do you stick to your values? How do you still try to manage, you know, the the the, the craziness, the craziness <laughs> that is perfect, the craziness of of you know work and also play as well too. But you know, from today, the thing I I really love and I you know myself really to take away is you talked about very early on in the chat this idea that you, you just knew you were going to do it right. That self belief, and that's something I think that. Um, I think that self-belief is, is sort of removed from the external world, right? Like you don't, you're not trying to look for the, the validation. The validation is good. And like the seek awards come along, you've gone great. Other people think we're doing a good job too. And they also see that I, you know, they believe in us too. But when you're early on, there isn't really a lot of belief that you can do it. Um, even family and friends. And I, I loved uh, Adam Jellick's interview a while back where, you know, from a very conservative family with a very young family and very responsibilities early on, there, there were people saying, look, maybe you shouldn't do this 
you cousin. crazy? Yeah, like yeah. this is not the smart thing to do in terms of the short term, and that's really kind of what mattered at the time. But really looking at you know where the self belief came from in terms of your family and and really that perspective and how you've really created your own reality as well too. Right now, it's not just you saying I believe in myself, but you're saying look at these other people that believe yeah. in me too because we're killing it. Yeah, but, we must be doing something right. Exactly, yeah. but you had to have that self belief in you, I think, first because if you didn't do that, then you may still be in a corporate role, still doing that. Um, Ainsley may be doing whatever Ainsley's doing. And you might not have been able to actually get that external validation that, yeah, you can do it, right? Because yeah. you, never, you never believed in yourself in the first place. And you'll always have people telling you why you can't do something. You know, you always mm. have that feedback as well. So you have to be prepared to not listen to it. Yeah. And just to get on and give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. Natalie, I really appreciate today's chat. It's yeah, been it's such been a great. pleasure to sit down with you. Thank you. Um, I suppose for people just looking to sort of stay up to date with your story and the Think Talent story, where can they reach out to you? How can they t- get in touch with you or, or stay up to date with what's happening? Well, we're definitely on all the social channels, so Facebook, um, Instagram, etc., um, or our website, thinktalent.com.au. Um, and yeah, we always love connecting with people and you know answering questions. So yeah, please please feel free to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have all the, I'll have all the social media handles uh, on the awesome. uh, on the Facebook page. Excuse me, on the uh, on the website as well too. Yeah. So anybody can uh, check it out. See what see if you're in Melbourne, if you're looking for a new role, yeah, that's you can right. uh, you can check it out. Absolutely. Um, but uh, Natalie, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And uh, I really look forward to catching up and who knows what another year or two is going to have and you could all of a sudden find yourself in maybe Singapore or San Francisco. Who knows? Like, we're sitting at a hundred staff. Who you know? knows? Ainsley wants to go to New York. Maybe that will be the other long-term plan. We'll see. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. Thanks for your time, Natalie. Thank you.